Football systems check. Microphone. Check. Record enabled. Kate. Check. Michelle. Check. All systems go. I repeat, all systems go. We got a problem. We got a Copy. We have ball blast. I repeat, we have ball blast. Ew. Ew. We're a little late on this one. Oh, yeah. Oh, only a little bit. Uh, only a little bit. <laughs> Time is a subjective uh, topic. Yeah. But what did you do last week? Uh, yeah, last week I got very busy. So we were supposed to record and release this episode last week. But I'm a procrastinator. And I was finishing up my chapters for the Fantasy Football Black Book put out by Joe Pizapia. So excited. The crew is absolutely amazing. I'm in some great company. I'm the first woman to ever be published in the Fantasy Football Black Book. Woo-woo! So excited. But yeah, I, I had to work on that all, all week. I could not breathe. She was only been told to do this like for months now. Only for months. January. I yeah. checked, I oh, checked yeah. the email. Only four months. <laughs> Shout out to uh, Joe. That book's going to be released June 1st. I can't wait. You know I'll be tweeting it out because I'm so excited. Hope I gave some decent advice. Well, last week we were supposed to finish up our rookie wide receivers to go discuss those. So most of the second round wide receivers we did not get to yet. And then we're going to hit on some rookie quarterbacks to close out the show. And we're just going to talk about like how we view them in 2020 and then how we view their future in the in the NFL. So a little bit of redraft, a little bit of dynasty all in one. I love it. Should we get into some news? Let's do it. Breaking news. Breaking news. Ben Roethlisberger got his hair cut and trimmed his beard. That is very exciting news. That is like the biggest news of these past two weeks. And it's not really a joke. There's no, not that's... much out there. But I, I do think it's actually pretty big news for the reason why he got the haircut. So he just posted this hype video and it showed him like what, a year ago being like, I'm not getting my haircut or shaving my beard until I can throw a ball to my teammates. Like a real ball a real pass like actually in practice and he did that he probably should have come out with that last year because we've just all wondered why he looks like a grizzly bear yeah it made a lot more sense to me now but he was able to get on the field he was throwing passes to connor to juju to ryan switzer actual like long passes and he looked good so then he went and got a haircut afterwards and shaved his beard but didn't cut off the beard no but it looks good it It looks trim it looked better but that's really big news so he's throwing the he's throwing the rock He's throwing the ball. Remember when Andrew Luck could just throw like a small ball in like August? And we all rejoiced. Yeah. And now it's not even June and he can actually just throw a normal sized ball. He looks good. I'm sure there's a lot more rehabbing to happen. But if you're worried about Big Ben coming back next year and all those pieces in the offense, this should make you feel a little bit better. It should. And if you got like Ben Roethlisberger in a dynasty startup or something this year, you bought him at his absolute floor. Yeah. And, and you're still going to be able to do that in redraft. And let's yeah. remember, he was the quarterback three the last time he actually played a season of football. Yep. So he's definitely going to be one of the best values, I think, of 2020. He was. No and a, another guy that could be a huge value on that same offense is James Conner. So Mike Tomlin this past week has come out to say if like James Conner is a featured guy and a proven runner when healthy. And he says, I like to use a featured guy. Like, I'm going to keep using him. We already know that. I don't know why this is I feel like we have this debate every offseason, and we're like, 
do they want to use a future back? We all know they use a future yeah. back. They're always. going to use James Conner as long as he's healthy. He did uh, say in there, Snell can be a capable James Conner type of guy if Conner is unavailable. So meaning like he's not going to see the field unless James Conner's <laughs> also, not available. James Conner posted some very athletic and healthy looking photos. I don't know if you saw those. Yeah. I His mean, abs are quite large. <laughs> this backfield is 100% James Conner. You're going to get him super cheap. In any draft, redraft, especially in Dynasty. I love him for redraft. There's no chance. We have no idea if he stays healthy or not, right? Like, I'm not going to go into the season and being like, we have to just trust he'll make it through a season. Most likely he won't, but his price is so low now. It it's not matter. as risky. Like, last year he's going early second, and that's what killed you. Yeah. Is that if you took him and then he got hurt all year. He was the running back six in 2018. With Say now ben you're getting him, like, maybe in the fourth round. That's a huge value. Who else are you getting in the fourth round that has or even that fifth. sort of upside? Yeah, no, he's he's a really good steal there. Another running back that, you know, we had some scares with injury. He was pretty healthy all last year, but that knee, is it going to hold up or not? Todd Gurley changed teams this year, right? And he, he signs Breaking with, news for anybody yeah, that hasn't he, heard he that. He signs with Atlanta. And then the Falcons OC, Dirk Cutter, just came out and said the main question with Todd Gurley is that no one seems to know is what is the health status? What? What are you talking about? What are you saying? What do you mean? He passed your physical. But how are you not... What? Like, what? How do you... How do you say that to the media is what I'm most concerned about. Like, you're the OC for a team. They're asking you things. You just signed him. You gave him a decent contract. And you're like, well, is he healthy? Is he healthy? Like, that just seems like a random thing to say. I... Yeah, I, I genuinely don't know how to feel about this. Why would your team that, sign him if he wasn't healthy? Yeah, other than the fact that Dirk Cutter is not a super smart human being. <laughs> like, I don't know why you're saying this. I don't, like... What's up with these coaches, like, hating on the running backs after they get signed? I totally get it. You shouldn't be signing running backs to big deals, you know, especially... Who else were you going to sign? Yeah, like, and he didn't even get that big of a deal, so... it's uh, a Isn't it a one-year deal? Yeah. Like, what... Okay, Dirk. Like I, <laughs> I mean, I still think Todd Gurley is going to get. There's no one else in that backfield, so I think he gets all the workload. We saw his knee hold up, and he did struggle behind the Rams' offensive line. But I, I think that's what it was. It was the Rams' offensive line. That whole offense kind of struggled. And they definitely utilized the running back differently. Like we, we were doing some digging on uh, like the positional targets per team. Incredibly, the Rams were like at the bottom of the league in terms of targeting the running back, which is just kind of crazy because that's the narrative that we all have for Todd Gurley's value. And they didn't use him. I think they had a total of like 60 targets to the running back. Yeah, and he should be used a lot in this Atlanta offense as a pass catcher. I'm excited for Todd Gurley to see how he does in another team. I don't expect like him ever to get back up to that top five running back status, but he could be top 12. I, I definitely could see that, like a, a volume-based top 12 guy. But I do think that he's going to be more of a loner in terms of dynasty value. So if you're in a win-now situation, I don't mind going and buying Todd Gurley for this year, win your championship. Next up, another backfield. And so many backfields. Are we? So this, this is, is a lot wide of, receiver episode, Michelle. This is a lot of coaches though talking about these backfields and are we trusting them or not? So the Colts OC Nick Serrani, Serrani, oh. Serrani. I'll never know how to. I do not know how to pronunciate names. Leave pronunciate. Me alone. What? Pronunciate. What I say? 
pronounce. Leave me alone. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> Why can't I say I don't know how to pronunciate names? It's pronounce. Uh, I'm just going to keep using my pronunciate because I don't care. <laughs> and that's what I want to say. Moving on to the next backfield, like we were just talking about, the Colts backfield here. You know, the OC isn't giving us too much trust in Jonathan Taylor, his rookie season. He's saying it's a 1-1 punch between Marlon Mack and Jonathan Taylor. Normally you say 1-2 punch, but he's saying 1-1. They can both be used as running back ones. And he just came out to say that he would not be surprised if Naeem Hines finished a game with 10 plus catches yeah i mean sure one game like what do you mean out of this like someone misses time and he gets 10 ca- like what is like i i could see him having one game with 10 catches well what is he doing the rest of the I game i will then? say that i do think he is an interesting late round best ball candidate night like, only because of philip rivers oh yeah because he loves passing to his running back so much. What I'm hoping for is that Jonathan Taylor is the supreme talent, which we already know he is, and they use him in the passing game, and they just use him as a three-down back. That's probably wishful thinking his rookie season. My hope is that I can buy Jonathan Taylor low. Like mid-season when he's not being used as much? Yeah, that would be great. Because he's the one back I want as a rookie. Like, I I really trust him. I mean, there's others. Like, I want Clyde Edwards and Yeah, but I I think that... From a, a talent perspective, I think Jonathan Taylor is easy, easily our, our running back one. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the offensive line that he's playing behind, good Lord. So do you trust this coach speak that Marlon Mack's still mm-hmm. going to have this big role? He, no. So from week nine on, I know he had his injury, but then he came back week nine. Week nine on, he never saw more than 48% of offensive snaps. That's not great, Chief. No. And... I feel like he was just another guy. He, he was behind one of the best offensive lines. We've already talked about this with Marlon Mack. Is when his backups came in, they were just as good. So was not Marlon Mack that was so great? Or could we bring in someone that's more talented and they can really make a difference? That, that's what I think is sort of the, the determining factor here. So Marlon Mack looked good behind the best offensive line in fantasy football. Or real, real football. Yeah. <laughs> but... So, like, if I have a good running back, I want him to look like a superstar behind an offensive line that talented, and he didn't. I'm not buying it. I think by maybe we have to wait a few games, but they're going to catch on that Jonathan Taylor, when he's in the game, the ball's moving, and the ball's moving better than when Marlon Mack is in the game. I trust him to get this big workload once we hit, like, midseason. It might be hard to trust Jonathan Taylor or anyone in this backfield and redraft, though. The interesting thing, though, is that we hear sort of that same argument against CEH. We hear that Damian Williams will still be involved, but I feel like people don't seem to care as much about that. Because oh, Damian Williams is garbage, and Marlon Mack at least is a decent player. Whew. <laughs> All right, that's it for our new section. That's the <laughs> way to end it. Let's go into our, let's finish up those rookie wide receivers we weren't able to hit. Now, if your guy's not brought up in this episode, go listen to our our latest episode, our last one, because that's where we talked about all the first-round rookies. And a couple of these second-round rookies, um, like Mims and Claypool, are in the last episode. Yeah, we we talked a lot about Claypool. We did. We did. Obviously. Yeah, we did. So uh, let's hit on the first wide receiver in the second round. It was Clemson's wide receiver, T. Higgins. He goes to Cincinnati. I really like this fit, actually. I I like T. Higgins, and I think the fact that he's coming from a Clemson offense to the fact, like, 
I feel like translating from a Clemson offense to a quarterback like Joe Burrow, who's used to playing in a prolific college offense, I just feel like that's a great match. You've got A.J. Green, who I, I'm i sorry, if he plays this year, like what if, what if he doesn't sign his franchise tender? I have no idea what to do with AJ Green. He's, I don't know what he's going to do. I if don't he trust plays, him. does he make it the whole season, anyways? He's almost 32 years old. He, you know, he hasn't played in quite a while now, like a full season. So, but this is this is the guy that I do think is going to be the next long term asset in Cincinnati. There, um, you know, and I, I do think there's something to be said for bringing in that rookie quarterback to be your future bringing in a wide receiver to pair him with immediately yep. right off the bat. And the things that we said about some of these wide receivers was, okay, did they produce so well because they were in great systems with a great quarterback? Like T. Higgins got to play with Trevor Lawrence. Well, now he gets to play with Joe Burrow. So it's not really a step down. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe it is, but I don't think so. Like, I think they're pretty equal talent-wise there. No, Cincinnati Bengals as a as franchise a yeah. and as an offense, we'll see how they can click together. I think it might take some more time than just this year. So, no, it's really hard to trust rookie wide receivers in redraft. And T. Higgins probably isn't one of those guys I'm going to trust. But he is basically just A.J. Green. Yeah. He's like he's his perfect replacement. He's just like 11 years younger than A.J. Green. They're the same size. They're both 6'4". A.J. Green's 211 pounds, T. Higgins 216 pounds. They both have big hands. They both are just really good body control, and they, they're really smooth at catching the ball. Now, T. Higgins, he had 3.67 yards per route run in 2019 in Clemson. That was only ranked him behind CeeDee Lamb in this wide receiver class. Pretty impressive. And we love CeeDee Lamb. So I'm really excited about T. Higgins. I think he's a perfect fit. To, to grow with Joe Burrow, and it might take till 2021 to really see that fantasy impact, but and I'm excited say, for it. In terms of like your, your rookie dynasty leagues, your your rookie drafts and dynasty leagues, T. Higgins is going in the second round, which Mid-second, I feel like yeah. it's, it's absolutely astounding to get a guy with, I think, the upside of T. Higgins when, like, look. Look what's going in front of it. There, there are some major dart throws that I trust a little less in terms of their their floor than I do T. Higgins. Yeah, T. Higgins is dropping, and I really don't get why. I don't mind the offense he's going to. There's not a ton of competition. Like we said, maybe— Well, the weird thing is people use the the offense as a plus for Joe Mixon, and then they use the offense as a plus or a, a, a minus for, for yeah. T. Higgins. And I, I don't—it doesn't go both ways. Yeah, and— like we mentioned, A.J. Green, he's not signed to that contract extension. He can be cut for $0 dead cap and hasn't been a top-tier wide receiver since 2015. So if the Bengals do keep him... 2015? Yeah. So if the Bengals do keep him, it's probably on a one-year deal, and we'll see if he signs that franchise tag. But Yikes. And if not, then it's T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd. And then you have to compete against Auden Tate. John Ross. John Ross. Johnny. How bad is it that I thought about Auden Tate before John Ross? Pretty bad. Yeah, that's pretty bad. I, I like the situation. I, I do, but I think with a rookie quarterback, it's going to take some time for any of the wide receivers in that offense to really be great. He is definitely a candidate that I think you'll be able to buy lower on even next season than mm-hmm. maybe you can right now because I don't, 
I don't see 2020 being his his year. I don't see that being his breakout year. I do think more he's a guy to keep an eye out on and redraft midseason. Like, we yeah. always say that rookies, like, start to look at him midseason. Like, A.J. Brown didn't break out to midseason. D.K. Metcalf didn't really have his true breakout to midseason. Maybe you want to be a couple weeks ahead of everyone, but drafting them, you're most likely going to drop them yeah, before you, they break out. You drafted Marquise Brown, but, like, can we – I wish I had the actual stats to see how many people had him in a starting lineup. Yeah. Because I feel like it had to be 0.0% of fantasy owners. It Like, you, by the time they actually prove something, they're generally dropped from your team. So take that last round pick, utilize it on maybe another veteran asset who does have the chance to break out. Somebody, you know, a buy low opportunity with upside, um, you know, maybe somebody with that that break in the offense that they can they can make. Yep. And we'll be talking more about strategy with drafting once it gets closer to draft season. Moving on to the second guy drafted. He actually went at the 202 right behind T. Higgins. Michael Pittman Jr. from uh, USC. He went to the Colts. Surprise? Did you think uh, they were going to take another wide receiver? They did draft Paris Campbell in the second round last year. I think that was sort of my my bigger surprise. I was surprised they took a wide receiver this early. They did, I believe, had two second round picks, if I'm not mistaken. But I was sort of surprised. I do think that there's definitely room in that offense. You let go of Eric, Eric Ebron. He's not coming back. T.Y. Hilton's an old man. Yeah. So, like, you do have to start building for the future at some point, even though I, I don't know. I feel like there are mixed messages in Indy because you, you signed Phillip Rivers, which is sort of a win, presumably a win-now move. I don't mind it because your defense is already pretty solid. You get you get Rivers, a big-bodied wide receiver. You got him a big running back already, so let's get him a big-bodied wide receiver. 6'4", 223 pounds, big boy. He was very productive at USC in 2019. He had over 60 receiving yards in nine of his 13 games. That's very good, including five games over 100 yards. Very productive. Overall, he had uh, nearly 1,300 receiving yards and 11 touchdowns on the season. It was a better offense, so, you know, those numbers might look better than they actually are. But you're, you're getting a guy that's been productive in college, really big guy for Rivers to target, now, my concern is, does Rivers still have it? Like, we saw Mike Williams get drafted super Ooh. early with the Chargers, and he just never really knew how to use him. The, I mean, the issue is that he he tried. He definitely yeah. tried. I, I think Mike Williams, I want to say, ranked top 10 in air yards. So that means Philip Rivers is giving him the ball down the field. He's just not putting in a place where either Mike Williams can catch the ball or, like, they just don't have that sort of chemistry. But... I think the issue that you have to look at is the fact that Mike Williams was that big-bodied guy for him. He played on the outside. He was that that sort of chuck-it-up-down-the-field guy, and he didn't produce. My biggest concern, right? Like, I would by, prefer... By didn't produce. I, I know he had 1,000 receiving yards. Everybody stop yelling at me. No, but he, he didn't produce the way we for wanted fantasy, him to. No. No, yeah, especially for fantasy. And he had a lot of targets, and it just it seemed like they were always missing each other. Now maybe Rivers has a better connection with Pittman. And he Rivers is coming into this offense, right? And he doesn't have a connection with any of these guys. So a rookie could sneak in here to be his guy. Oh, yeah. But it could also be Paris Campbell from last year, also drafted in the second round. I'm not ready to throw him away yet. He was injured, like, Pretty much the entire season. Yeah, and the, the couple of games where he actually looked 
reasonably healthy. He looked he was serviceable yeah. as a as a rookie. I do think that And he had to play with Brissett and then an injured Brissett. Like <laughs> yeah. it wasn't a great situation. It was one of those where I'm kind of just throwing it away. But then that means does he get the targets? Does Campbell get the targets? Does Pittman get the targets? You know Hilton and Rivers is gonna build a connection. Yeah. And then apparently Naheem Hines is gonna see 10, <laughs> 10 receptions a game and then you have uh, it's a I feel like it's going to be run heavy with a good defense. I don't know if there's enough targets to go around in 2020. And then what happens in 2021? Who's their quarterback? Is it Jacob so, Eason? Well, I, I I do believe today they came out with a statement that says they hope Philip Rivers will play for many years. My eyes are rolling so hard. Yeah. they. He barely could play last year. year. Tell me how he's going to make it through three more years. He So Philip Rivers last year was what I feel like most people look at Ben Roethlisberger as. We're like... Roethlisberger was chucking the ball down the field, made made some sick plays in 2018. He had uh, 16 interceptions. It's no Jameis Winston, but he led he led the league in 2018. I I do feel like there's this this overall perception with Philip Rivers that he can do no wrong, and that you know you put him behind a, a better offensive line, and that's the thing he's been missing his whole career. Yeah. And when you look at the weapons around him, I don't see it, unless you're gonna very heavily involved Jonathan Taylor. I don't get it. And Jonathan Taylor, hopefully he's good in pass protection because Marlon Mack is one of the worst in the league. Also a reason why I don't think he sees as much time because good luck having a running back back there that can't pass protect. And you have Phillip Rivers who yeah. cannot run out of the pocket. No, literally, People want to make fun of Ben for his weight. I'm sorry, he can scramble better than Rivers. Rivers they literally, cannot. I think before the, the game, they actually put super glue on his shoes and he's yeah. just like... We'll see. I mean, we'll see. I could see Rivers failing miserably in this offense. but Out of curiosity, what are you willing to spend on Paris Campbell in terms of rookie picks for next year? Like, I feel like this is the prime buy low opportunity because you are living out that Michael Pittman hype. So I've actually done a couple offers for Paris Campbell over the last couple weeks. I sent a 2021 second for him. I traded for Paris Campbell for like a 306 this year during a draft. I was really pumped about that. No way. Yeah, super cheap. He's going so cheap. And then we in our league, in our Ball Blast Dynasty League, just traded Ronald Jones straight up for Paris Campbell. Crazy, crazy trade for all of you Ronald Jones truthers. Where were you last year, by the way? It's just so funny, like when draft season comes around and people are like, Rojo is so talented. Yeah, people Where forget were you last year. People forget how bad these players actually were in the season. Oh my god. They I just look the at the total narrative. ranking at the end and they're like, But he was a top twenty four running back. Now I don't even know if Ronald Jones was. I think he squeaked in there. I wanna say it was like It was like mm-hmm. if you get carries in an offense and you play sixteen games and you're not a top twenty four running back, that is so bad. Like it's not that hard, guys. There's only thirty two teams. 32 starting running backs, and then they get injured. So if you play 16 games and yep. you get a lot of carries, you're going to be a top 24 running back. That's not impressive. That's not <laughs> impressive. I mean, you you do want top 20. Like, let's not let's not get it twisted. You, you don't want, want top two You don't want backs, the running back 24 that played 16 games. He did not help you whatsoever. Agreed. That, that's definitely the differentiation. If there. you get running back 24 and he played, like, Seven, eight, eight games? That means you probably picked him up off the waivers or, you know, you didn't That's have to like play Nick him when Chubb. he was injured. That's yeah. Nick and then he was great during those games. You don't want the guy. You don't want David Montgomery from last year, basically. 
No, that's although I, I do see some positive regression coming for yes, David that's Montgomery. for another time. Let's stick to the rookies. <laughs> <laughs> rookie uh, wide receivers, not even running back. Yeah, rookie wide receivers. All right, moving on. So at the two ten, round two, pick ten, the Jacksonville Jaguars selected Lavisca Chenault from Colorado. This guy this has not been one of our favorites. We're not even gonna lie. He no. we watched his tape and it's just like. You know, uh, he, yeah, you know. <laughs> Part of my film grade is sort of like how, like, do I feel the buzz when I watch this guy? And I didn't feel that buzz. He seems very gadgety. Yeah. Oh, I, I think he is like a technically proficient guy. I think that you can use him in multiple ways on the field. But I also feel like he has a very weird, weird build. A very weird build. 6'1, 227. Like, that's a big boy. That's like a running back, basically. Like, well, and they did say that they were going to be inclined to use him in those gadgety yeah. ways, sometimes at running back, sometimes at wide receiver. He's not like, like a super fast guy. He ran a four five eight. It's not slow, but it's not like blazing so fast. He didn't produce all that great in Colorado, but it was Colorado. I mean, that passing offense wasn't thriving. They were struggling a bit, but he had 764 total yards or 70, 764 receiving yards, four touchdowns in 2019. It's fine. I feel like... He's good after the catch. He can force missed tackles. Which is why I think it he's that good gadgety player. I do think Cordell Patterson kind of destroys our thinking about him. Like Cordero? he just Cordero. Yeah. yeah. Corderell. Corderell. Uh Patterson just kind of destroys our thinking there with him. I do think he'll be better than him, but in the Jacksonville offense. What's like, the upside? Yeah, DJ Shark broke out. I still think he's the dude there for the wide receiver one. I think this is great news for Shark. Yeah. Very good news because I just don't see Chanel as that wide receiver one type. I just definitely, I don't know. He just seems very gadgety to me. I would be interested. I, I actually haven't done the research myself, but to see what wide receiver profiles have that build because it, it you're right he like that is a big beefy man yeah and i like i'm just i i can't think of any wide receiver that i know of off the bat that has that sort of body type it's the same body type as zeke like that's what his body type gets compared to zeke now <laughs> like zeke isn't going i know they have probably different skill sets they do have different skill sets but it still would be weird to see zeke's body out there running routes like that yeah when you're primarily used as a a wide receiver like Zeke is used as a running back who sometimes runs routes but like a lot of his performance in the passing game is him sort of leaking out on routes not specifically running from like the slot or specifically running on the outside I just I don't know he I I can't picture it but you know what I do think you're right in terms of what it does just to open up the offense in general, especially if they do use him in a gadgety kind of way, because you do want that player who can do a little bit of everything mm-hmm. so that you're always making defenses second guess. What is this guy about to do? What what role is this guy going to play? They can probably get him more involved sooner than later, though. So we might see him actually putting up a little bit of numbers and being somewhat usable in fantasy quicker than these other guys. I just don't see the ceiling there for him, especially in Dynasty. Like, I I, I haven't grabbed him in anything. And then, yeah, he's not going to be the guy I'm targeting in redraft. But I can see, like, him sitting on the waivers in the first game. He, like, breaks off, like, a 35-yard run and maybe gets a touchdown, scores with 10 the, points, and we're all like, ooh. With the gadgety sort of usage, 
Would there be any inclination for you to draft LaVisca in a league that is very friendly towards special team scoring? Or no? If we know for sure he's going to be doing special teams. Sure. Maybe. Okay. We don't play in any of those leagues, so it's hard to say because I don't know, you know, how much it matters. You know, <laughs> you're just staring at me. <laughs> All right, moving on. Uh, the last pick, the last wide receiver uh, to go in the second round was Van Jefferson. And I like the pick. Okay. You're going to have to tell me why. You look very scared right now. Well, anyways, Van Jefferson went to the Rams. Uh, he's from the University of Florida. Not very productive. Uh, full four years in college. You know, he played through his senior year. Only 657 yards, six touchdowns in his senior year. I was shocked he went in the second round. I thought he was going to go late third, fourth round, earliest. You tell me why you like this pick by the Rams. I was I was thinking closer to the, to third round, but I I think that I like this pick because there is so much potential in that offense. So I know it seems sort of crowded right now. You you have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, Josh Reynolds. Are we thinking that Josh Reynolds is? Is a thing? Are we thinking Van Jefferson's just going to come in and be more of a thing than Josh Reynolds? No, but we're talking about dynasty. So when you're looking at that, like Gerald Everett, I I believe he's entering a contract year. Tyler Higbee, he's there to stay, just saying. Cooper Cup, I got to believe he's there to stay. I just think that there is opportunity waiting for him within that offense. And I don't think that you need to be that mega productive guy in college in a Sean McVay offense. If you're going to any other offense that doesn't have that sort of efficiency like like the 49ers the the Rams not this year cuz they they struggled there but overall i think the the scheme could be a good fit for him i do think that there's just there's opportunity there and i, I he's going late enough he's going in the third round of rookie drafts why wouldn't you yeah and why just, wouldn't you waste a pick on him i don't really love the talent i mean i just I, he couldn't do it in college he was out strengthened if that's outpowered in college like he wasn't strong enough to make plays to beat defenders for contested catches in college how are you going to do it in the nfl like I, you lift weights you you put your butt in the gym sure Sean let's McVay. hope he does that he's already 23 years old never broke out in college never had like a, a good year in college are you randomly going to break out at 23 24 years old in the nfl when you couldn't do it at the college level i don't feel good about it I don't feel great about it, but the the thing about Van Jefferson is when I look at the potential for him to make a splash in that offense, like are any of us high on like a Josh Reynolds whatsoever? No, but I do think Josh Reynolds will play more than Van Jefferson year one. I think that's fair, but looking at the long-term haul, like when I'm looking at a third-round dynasty pick, I'm not generally thinking that this guy is going to be the one to produce this year. No, I'm, yeah, I'm, no, I'm that's hoping fair. that this is going to be an asset that and maybe that he's off. the next Terry McLaurin who didn't break out in college and he came in at 24 years old and was great, but I think he's not. <laughs> but definitely I not an fair. option for a redraft, right? Like you're not oh, even considering. Oh no, him. I would not touch him in redraft. Like okay. I said, I I would touch him in the third round of rookie drafts, which I have, um, just because I think that it, like the upside in a Sean McVay offense is that that great. You don't even know if Cooper Cup's going to be staying. Yeah. I did take him in a dynasty league in the third round, and now I'm already trying to trade him for, like, anything. Like, I just don't want him. I don't know. Give him to me. Okay. I will, well, you're I will not, certainly take him. You're not in that league. Moving <gasps> on to quarterbacks, right? Let's talk about quarterbacks and fantasy. I think there's only three we need to talk about. Yeah. If 
any of the others end up breaking out or looking like they're going to take a job, we'll talk about them. But for right now, I said the guys that I think could reasonably go and redraft leagues this year. So the three guys that went in the first 10 picks, actually first, what, seven, six? What was it? First first six picks in the NFL draft. Six. Joe Burrow to Cincy. Tua Tungavailoa. Did I say that? Wow, beautiful job. <laughs> to Miami. Beautiful pronunciation is this, this. To Miami. And then Justin Herbert to the Chargers. Let's start with Joe Jur- Joe Juro. Joe Burrow. You got Tua Tungavailoa. <laughs> yeah, I got him <laughs> right. You, it's, it's Joe Juro. Let's start with Joseph Burrow. Joseph. Uh, Joseph. Joseph. What do we think about him? He's going to Cincy. He has decent weapons. Like Cincinnati, the, the offense he's not going to, into isn't trash. It's not trash. I think they could have done a little bit more with the offensive line. They they got a little help there, which is great. But I, I think that Joe Burrow was very clearly, when you look at his 2019 film, he was definitely the most pro-ready quarterback out of all these guys. He just looked polished. Like I, I feel like that's the best word to describe him. He looked... My favorite thing was that he never looked razzled, dazzled, no. crazzled. He never looked that nervous. Like, there would be all this he pressure dazzled, on him. but he didn't look razzled. There would be all this pressure on him. He could roll out of the pocket. He could run around, and the play was never going to and be over. And he still was staring downfield yeah. looking for the guy. He's kind of like end. a Deshaun Watson, that type, where you can never count him out on a play being over. Like, he will make a play happen, and sometimes he might, you know, do something stupid, but... I think the question for me with Joe Burrow, especially in his rookie season, you know, with the uh, with the Joe Mixon effect there, are they going to be more inclined to run the ball? Let give Joe Burrow some room, give him some time to develop. I know we've talked about the possibility of Joe Mixon holding out, but what are the chances that they really just let him unleash the way that Cliff Kingsbury did for Kyler Murray. I don't like I don't I don't see that happening. Yeah, so Zach Taylor is the coach for the Cincinnati Bengals. He started last year and with Andy Dalton, he threw the ball 528 times in 13 games. That's a pace for 650 times in 16 games. That's really high. It's really high. That was six most in passing attempts in the NFL. Maybe I would expect that to go down, right? With a I would rookie expect that to go down with but a rookie quarterback. Joe Mixon already had close to 300 carries. He had over 300 touches. I don't know how much more you can give him in that regard. Maybe you get Gio more involved. They did draft two running backs last year. Maybe they get them more involved. But I do think that Joe Burrow could have a lot of passing attempts in this offense year one. And you know what's the best about Joe Burrow? There's no like, ooh, is he going to start day one? Like, who's going to be the starter? Because oh, they yeah, cut okay. Andy Dalton. Andy yeah. Dalton's gone. They're Which just, is so dumb. Like, yeah. I, I mean, they needed to save money, but I would be surprised if they don't bring in some vet, but I don't think it's going to be a vet that could possibly even challenge Burrow for a starting job. It's just going to be to mentor him. So that's really nice that, you know, Burrow starting day one. He was absurdly absurd. Absurdly absurd in college. I, yeah, and that's good. In 2019, yeah. really only, because that was really his only year he broke out. But 5,700 yards, 60 touchdowns in <laughs> one year. It's not. I'm not talking about his college career. That is one year, 60 touchdowns. That's not okay. That's not okay, and that's not going to happen in the NFL. I'm not saying that, but he does have good weapons. Even if A.J. Green sits or doesn't you know, sign back with the, the Bengals, we know well, they utilize the franchise tags, so it's either it's it's Bengals or bust. Yeah, like there's there's no real option for AJ Green. But let me postulate 
for a minute. Okay. So let's imagine a world where Joe Burrow comes into the Cincinnati Bengals offense. They've improved their offensive line just enough. They utilize the run game. They utilize Joe Mixon. They're more efficient as an offense. That could make your passing attempts go down. So if you're not playing catch-up the whole game. Do you think their defense got any better? No. Okay. So they probably are still going to be but playing catch-up. But I do catch think, up. Their, I think their offense got better, which can definitely mean offensive efficiency. Yeah, and it can mean your defense efficiency is better, too. You're not as tired. You're not on the field all the time. They could just get better right off of that. So that's my only counter-argument to, like, the, the Zach Taylor pass-heavy scheme. Yeah, and I'm just skeptical, too, because we haven't seen rookie quarterbacks just, like, come out and kill it. There is no rookie quarterback that's thrown more than 25 touchdowns besides one, Baker Mayfield, at 27 touchdowns. And he was the worst for fantasy. Yeah, I mean, last year, but his rookie season, he wasn't so bad. But He wasn't great. Yeah. No, you're not going to be if you only throw 27 touchdowns and however many yards he had. And then when you look at since 2010, only three rookie quarterbacks have thrown for over 3,900 yards. You have Cam Newton at 4,051, 21 touchdowns. Winston at 4,042, 22 touchdowns. And Luck at 4,374, 23 touchdowns. Now, those aren't, like, great fantasy seasons. Can we talk about the fact that all of these guys are not in a starting role right now? That's kind of wild. That's kind of wild. <laughs> uh, Newton and Luck is not so much their fault. Winston just couldn't stop throwing interceptions. He oh. needed LASIK. Now, all of these quarterbacks to bring up, though, did throw a lot of interceptions in your one. So that even hurts them more. Newton had the rushing abilities to have give you that floor. Burrow doesn't he he can run he's like mobile. he's mobile yeah but he's not going to give you like 400 rushing yards to give you that safe floor. His signature is to run. It's going to be really hard to trust him as a rookie. So in redraft, I'm probably not going to draft him. You can get so many good quarterbacks late. I would rather a Ben Roethlisberger in 2020, and you can get him late. I'd rather a Matthew Stafford. You can get him late. Joe Burrow is probably going to get hype, and he's going to go be going around those guys. I'm going to take the vet. Let someone else take the rookie and risk it. Like it could work out for you. But I'm not going to risk it. Yeah. And Dynasty, yes, I'd love him as a quarterback, especially in like a super flex sure, league. Sure, I'll two take him over a 40 year old man. But yeah. like, I, I just in terms of production for 2020, I think you hit the nail on the head there. How about Tua? So Tua is an interesting one because we don't really know what to expect from him in the 2020 NFL season. We know that Ryan Fitzpatrick is still there in Miami. What like do they give Tua another year to sit? He had this devastating hip injury, which has, has seemed to be very on schedule. He looks great. He's running well. He's throwing well. But, like, what do you do with this guy in terms of throwing him into the NFL? Yeah. I, I, the I issue know. is if he get he gets thrown in and he gets hurt, someone's getting fired. Or multiple people are getting fired. This is your franchise. And if you don't think you have a possibility to contend this year, I don't really get the reason to start him. Now, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick is all over the place, right? Like, he could be the great Ryan Fitzpatrick and keep Tua on the bench. He could be a garbage, garbage Ryan Fitzpatrick throwing Which interception. Which is great for your draft capital. Yeah, throwing interception and interception. And then the team feels pressured to put Tua in because of fan base. And we'll see what happens. But I don't think he starts unless he really has to. Josh Rosen's still there. 
Oh my God, I forgot about Josh Rosen. <laughs> but one thing, <laughs> one thing we really want to think about, he was only sacked 10 times in 2019. That was the least in the FBS. And then only pressured 22% of his dropbacks. So it's not like he was escaping pressure and that's why he wasn't sacked. He was only he only only pressured 22% of dropbacks. That's the sixth least in the FBS. So now you're going to put him behind the Miami Dolphins line. And I know they just drafted some guys, but how great are they going to be or one altogether? Especially when you're missing part of that offseason program. You're yeah. not getting that that same training that you usually should that is really risky to put him back there to make him be running for his life unless you really know your line is so solid and they're going to protect him that's risky and if i'm he's not being drafted in a redraft that would just be stupid because you don't even know if he's going to play and then in dynasty if people are taking with the 102 in superflex leagues and one quarterback leagues he's going in the second round like let me go trade tua or let me go trade that pick for like a jared goff a yeah. guy that people are down on, but we know will produce. And how do you know Tua's ceiling is any higher than Jared Goff? You you really don't. And I I just think there's so many question marks because we don't even know if Miami's going to get it together. They had a very nice draft, but you really have no concept of what they are doing in in terms of a long-term plan so they yep. at running back they've got Bereda and <laughs> howard which is like they're like i feel they're like fine. all of their playmakers are fine like they're i really like Devonte parker but fine he's, is the worst word in the english language <laughs> but for a wide receiver one he's fine Fine. i really like him but for a wide receiver one he's fine preston williams yes he's shown flashes but like come he's on still heading into a sophomore season yeah like, we have no idea and what was he undrafted he was undrafted right yeah Dante Pettis showed flashes in his rookie season I just I I think that we're putting a lot of stock in the fact that that they're going to be a better offense when we literally have no idea they didn't draft any wide receivers which is absolutely insane and I think the biggest thing we need to remember like these wide receivers look good with Ryan Fitzpatrick who can make any wide receiver look good when he's on. When he's on, he can make any wide receiver look good. So let's just be skeptical there. I do really like Mike Kosicki, but at the same time, he didn't show a lot of ability to uh, break any tackles or get any yards after catch. And that's kind of what Tua relied on heavily in college. We both really think Burrow is well ahead of Tua in talent. Oh, yeah. A lot of people disagree with us. People say Tua would have been the first quarterback drafted if it wasn't for his injury. And I don't really understand that. I think it mostly probably has to do with just the consistency in production. I think Tua was just a little bit more consistent. Joe Burrow just sort of came out of nowhere. It's very hard to trust the person that comes out of nowhere to just throw 60 touch. Like, it's it's unbelievable. But Tua played with four first-round talents at the wide receiver position. Is it the chicken or the egg? And then also a first-round talent in a running back, Najee Harris. He will, with running backs going a little bit later, he's – the latest in mid-second round pick. He had so he much talent around him, and he passed short a lot and let his wide receivers do all the work after the catch. I think I, I just calculated this today. Don't hold me to it, but it was like 69.9. So 70% of his passes completed were either negative yards or up to 10. Like, that's how far he threw it away. Uh, so negative to 10 yards. Yeah. That's, like, really short. And then mm-hmm. all your guys are doing the work afterwards – are these playmakers he's going to have in Miami, are they going to be able to do that? And that's what scares me. Yeah, I, I definitely think he's got um, he's got talented pieces there. I just don't know if they're talented enough to carry the load. Like, 
Mike Gusecki. He is like one of everybody's favorite late round tight ends at this point. And when we're looking at him, I, he ran, what was it, the third most routes among all tight ends in fan, like in all of football. Yeah. And what did he do? He that should have been anything. That yeah. should have been his breakout, but he he did have issues with he had zero forced missed tackles. And I think only him That's like Mike Evans level. No, but he actually had some. It was him and Jason Witten that had zero forced missed tackles after the, the boys. catch. Not great. I am really excited for Mike Kosicki. I think he's in a prime spot. That's also for another podcast. We like to get off topic. Now, Tua, I think we can both agree, is probably our favorite person in this draft. Like, I am rooting for him. Oh, my God. he's. I'm rooting for this kid so hard. He has an awesome personality. I just, I don't see the talent as strong as others do. I do think he can be a productive NFL quarterback in this league. I just don't know about fantasy-wise if he throws it deep enough. I think he's going to be that short, average uh, depth of target guy. And that typically is not good for fantasy. And I I don't think... You know, I, I feel like the, the majority of people, when they hear that we're not necessarily high on Tua, they hear that, you know, like, we're look, we're looking at this from a fantasy perspective. We're yeah. not looking at this from a true NFL talent because Tom Brady, even when he wasn't fantasy relevant, which he was a lot of the time, was still the best quarterback of all time. I compared Tua to Derek Carr, and I don't think that's a bad comparison. Derek Carr's, Derek Carr's been in the league for how long now? Like, if he th- won't go away. If Tua's career is that long, that's a good career. Yeah. Obviously, you want more from that, but Derek Carr has kept his job. But guess what? He hasn't been good for fantasy, and that's just kind of how I see Tua there. But maybe I'm wrong. And in dynasty, if you want to take a shot on him, fine. Redraft, we're not we're not looking at him. But I think that's pretty obvious. Justin Herbert, last one. With the Chargers, this is a prime spot for a rookie quarterback oh, to go yeah. in. Your competition's Tyrod Taylor. Um, That's not a thing. He is <laughs> not it. And maybe they don't have to worry about tickets this year because fans won't be going to games. But if you ever want to sell tickets again in the future, you can't put Tyrod Taylor out Justin there. Justin Herbert is the more exciting guy. Yeah. Easily. I don't even care if he's throwing up interceptions like he's still the more exciting guy no one wants to go to a game and be like Tyrod Taylor yeah no 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 and Tyrod I can't imagine he wins too many games if he does it's going to be those seven to eight games which is the worst for a team I think he's well liked by by the organization so that could be a, a problem in terms of Justin Herbert actually getting on the field but I don't think that he is going to have a very long leash in terms like the I, last I time we saw Tyrod Taylor play was in Cleveland and that he is was exactly so incredibly bad. He was so bad he couldn't even get a yard against the Jets. But in what that was week it? Three. Week three? It was yeah. week three and they utilized that excuse. I like did he get a concussion or no, a hand he hurt injury? his hand injury yeah. Yeah and but everybody was thinking before that like good God when are they gonna put this guy out of his yeah. misery? Yeah. Like, and as soon as Baker came in, they came back, they won the game, he could actually move the ball. There was a complete difference in talent there. Tyrod Taylor's not it, so I do think Justin Herbert steals the job by week three, five. Six, like by mid-season for sure. My bet would be week three. My bet would be week three too. And now we're not like in love with Herbert's talent. He has a lot of flaws. But the one thing he does have, he has a really strong arm. So And he likes to throw it deep. And he's a mobile quarterback. Yeah, that, that's all I, I... So I will say in terms of Justin Herbert, I'm just not... Uh, we talked about Tua. Like how he could have this long career in the NFL, even if he's not super productive for fantasy... 
don't really see that for Justin Herbert. And maybe I'm maybe I'm totally missing on the kid. I just I, I see a lot of mistakes. I see a lot of uh, athleticism, but he's very raw. And he I, is very raw, but you know what's nice is to be raw and have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Hunter Henry and yep. Austin Eckler and now rookies KJ Hill and Joshua Kelly. Like He has so many playmakers around him. A really solid defense where he's not going to be asked to do too much. I really like this landing spot for any quarterback, and I don't. I like. I would rather take Justin Herbert than Tua in fantasy. I actually I There's, did that in one of my one of my rookie drafts this year, and I caught some I caught some heat. But you know what? I do think that Herbert definitely has a bigger chance for uh, fantasy relevance a lot sooner than I'm going to project for Tua. You know who also went late in rookie drafts because everyone made fun of the selections over the last two years was Josh Allen to Buffalo in 2017 Urgh. or 2018 and then Daniel Jones to the Giants in 2019. Both of those guys were raw coming out of school. Both guys have very big arms. Both guys are mobile. Now Allen's by far the most mobile out of this group but I do think Justin Herbert could be that Daniel Jones guy where He's not going to be consistent. He's going to make a lot of mistakes, turn over the ball a lot. But, but the boom is high. The boom is high, and I do think when he starts, he's going to have some of those games where you're like, oh, my God, he just scored 30 points for me. Like, how? And then the next game, you're like, oh, my God, he just scored negative 10 points for me. How? <laughs> how? Yeah, I do think he's boomer bust, but if I'm going to take a shot on one of these rookies other than Joe Burrow, it would be Justin Herbert. Yeah. And... I'm still, you're not going to draft a Madrid draft again because Tyrod Taylor should be starting the season. You're never going to take a quarterback that's not starting. And, but in redraft, I'm, or in Dynasty, he's my second quarterback. Yikes. Why? Because Every, everybody just. Second stopped. quarterback's out of rookies. <laughs> no, I know. Um, no, I, I just heard everybody listening to our podcast leave. So, well, good, because we're done. we just finished up this class uh we're gonna start moving on to vets now we need to get out of these rookies we need to start talking about vets so we're going to be all vets next week all vets all all the time not all the time most of the time uh yeah let's let's head out here i think we've done enough rookie talk thank you guys for being patient for this podcast while i worked on the fantasy football black book so excited about that when's it come out June 1st, baby. June stay, 1st. Stay tuned. You can get it on Amazon. I'll be tweeting out the link to that. Super, super excited. Uh, happy to represent some ladies out there in the fantasy community. That is awesome. So excited. Um, again, I'm Kate. You can find me on Twitter at FFBallBlast. And I'm Michelle. You can find me at BallBlast. Um, BallBlast. E-M. And then uh, go to our BallBlastFootball.com page. Go read our articles that we post. And we're hiring two writers. We're very excited about that. We're about to tell them shortly. We just went through all of the applications. and butterflies. Yeah, we found two great ones. I mean, there were so many good ones, but we found two. We've been going through applications for the last week. We're going to be... reading them and rereading them and rereading them. We're going to be having articles come out a lot. A lot. Because we're going to be writing separately, and then we're going to have those guys or gals write as well. Yeah, super excited. Cannot wait. Don't forget to check out the Ross Tucker Football Podcast Network, which we are a proud member to be a part of. All right. Everybody, have a great week. Bye, y'all. Bye.